Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. If you don't mind, let's come together and let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And if you got your Bibles with me, lift them up. It doesn't matter what form they take, hard copy or digital. Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and it shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. Family, family, family. Last time we were together, we spent time explaining that trust in God for the believer looks like this or looks a certain way. This session, we're going to continue with that theme. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, as it relates to trusting God, it tells us something pretty straight and direct. It instructs us, starting in Proverbs 3, the Passion Translation, verse 5, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. The verses convey that when a person trusts in God, he or she makes a conscious decision to let God lead them. He or she makes a conscious decision to let God guide them. In other words, when a person makes a decision to trust God, they do so and they commit to submit to God's will and his way. However, Commitment is just one component of trusting God. For an individual to really have that complete trust in God, they must display another element. The proverb tells us that if you're going to have full trust in God, if you're going to have your trust in God be complete, you must also have undivided devotion to him. To reinforce the difference between commitment and devotion, 
I'm going to present to you a graphic. When you look at that graphic, what you see is the word commitment and devotion. Commitment on the left, devotion on the right. Beneath the word commitment is a silhouette of a soldier. Beneath the word devotion is the silhouette of a heart. The purpose of those images is to denote that for our context, for our sessions, when we're talking about commitment, I want you to know that commitment is akin to following orders. While devotion, on the other hand, is a loyalty driven by the heart. We can take commitment and devotion in the context of what we're seeing here in these silhouettes and we can do some word association or phrase association for each one. For instance, under commitment, we can put the word or the term duty driven versus under devotion, that would translate to heart driven. You see where I'm at. Commitment required to. Devotion willing to. Commitment, following instructions, devotion, enthusiastic about doing it or enthusiastic about doing those instructions. Commitment, mental attachment. Devotion, emotional attachment. Commitment, doing it because of. Devotion, doing it in spite of. Commitment, assigned. Devotion, volunteered. A person who has a real trust in God displays that trust through both commitment and devotion. Not one, not just the other, but both. Both commitment and devotion. And by the way, as we can see here, those two things are not the same. I'm going to ask you to return to our previous scenario list. During our last session, we went through a list of scenarios that kind of proposed to us a person can be committed to a thing and not devoted to it. Take a look at that list again. As a refresher, here's the list, four items. The first one says, a married couple can be committed to one another, but not devoted to each other. The next one, a parent can be committed to his or her children, but not devoted to them. Number three, an employee can be committed to his or her job, but not devoted to it. And the final one, a person can be committed to his or her church, not devoted to it. What we're going to do today is we're going to take these scenarios and we're going to apply some real life context. We're going to dive into each scenario a little different. Now, before diving into each scenario, I need to say something. These scenarios are real life scenarios and they're that way on purpose. 
Because in order for the scenario to stick, in order for the example to stick and really have the impact we want it to have, it has to be something that you listen to and you, you say, wow, that is real. I've seen that. I've observed that. Hey, in some cases, I've lived that. What I always want you to remember, though, is that we're in a no condemnation zone. There is no condemnation here for us people who are in Christ Jesus. We're not displaying or talking about these examples to point you out in particularly, in particular, if they apply to you or they apply to a friend or a loved one or someone that you know. They are not designed for you. We don't want you to listen to the examples and go back into the past or go back to old hurts or go back to old pains or, or, or think to yourself, I should have done things differently. We don't want any of that. These are simply things that we're going to propose, we're going to say to give you something to make each one of these scenarios stick and to delineate how we want you to look at commitment versus devotion. How do we move forward? We left you with these scenarios. And now we're going to say, how does that look? Pastor, you tell me that a married couple can be committed to one another, but not devoted to each other. How does that look? Sir, you say a parent can be committed to his or her children, but not devoted to them. Tell me, please. How does that look? Pastor, you're saying that an employee can be committed to his or her job but not devoted to it? Hey, come on. How does that look? And your last one, sir, you say a person can be committed to his or her church but not devoted to it. Tell me, how does that look? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because here we go. We're going to talk about each one of those today. Let's start off with the first one. How does it look for a married couple to be committed to one another but not devoted to each other? Well, I want you to imagine that a man and a woman are married. And for gender anonymity, I'm not going to use the words husband or wife or he and she because the narratives that we're going to talk about can apply to the male or the female. I'm just going to use the word spouse. But here we go. Commitment gets a spouse out of bed each morning to go to work. Devotion brings that person straight back to the same bed at night. Commitment gets a spouse out of bed in the morning to go to work and to earn a living. But devotion drives them to definitively turn down flirtatious advancements that come their way throughout the day. Family, when a man and a woman make that pledge, when they say those traditional vows to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do, they, do them part. 
They are talking about commitment and devotion. If I were put into a position to have to take those vows and break them apart and sort them out and put them in the category of commitment or devotion, here would be my selection. Loved ones, commitment says I do for better. Devotion says I do for worse. Commitment says I do for richer. Devotion says I do for poorer. Commitment says I do in health. Devotion, that devotion says I do in sickness. Commitment says I do because of how you make me feel right now. Commitment says I do because of the way you look right now. Devotion looks far beyond the now. Devotion looks from this day forward. Devotion is the thing that makes a man and a woman continue to want to stay in the relationship until death do them part. Yeah. Can a married couple be devoted to one another? Excuse me. Can a married couple be committed to one another but not devoted to each other? Absolutely. What about this next one? A parent can be committed to his or her children but not devoted to them. How does that look? Well, I want you to imagine we have a parent in a child situation. Commitment is going to work to put food on the table. Devotion is allowing that child to sit on your lap and eat out of your plate. Commitment is working to put a roof over their head. It's working to give them a bed to sleep in. Devotion is making it home from work each, each evening in time to relax in that bed with them and read them a bedtime story. Now, commitment is working to put clothes on their back. While devotion, devotion is that thing that won't allow you to let work keep you from making it to their swim meet or soccer game, or volleyball game, or football game, or recital, or play. Moreover, devotion requires, it demands that you be present at their activity, not just there. Devotion says, put down your cell phone, put down your mobile device, and put your sole attention on your child at this moment. Devotion says, stop getting up and down out of your seat every few minutes to go and take care of something else. Devotion says, stay glued to that spot. Devotion says, says keep your tail in that seat. Devotion says, stop getting up. Devotion says, focus on your child. Devotion says, stay present. It's important that you stay present. Why? 
Because when that child looks up into the audience, when that child looks up into the stands, they should observe you observing them in their activity. As a parent who had children that were involved in sports, there were many times I observed something that just for me, it, 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 it broke my heart a little bit. And I'm sure you've seen it. Hopefully you haven't been the one who's been doing this. But nothing or few things broke my heart more than when I would see a child on the field or doing their thing and something exciting happened or they scored a, a goal or they made a point and they excitingly look to the audience to where their parent is supposed to be and there's an empty seat there. Or maybe something good happens and then they look up to see if their parents saw it or they caught it and they observe their parent not even paying attention. Devotion requires that you not just be there, but that you be present at your child's activity. The child should be able to look up into these stands or look in the audience and see you cheering from them, for them. The child should be able to afterwards run to you and get that direct and immediate affirmation about how proud you are of them. And if need be, they should be able to run into your arms for emotional support if for some reason they didn't perform up to their standards. Devotion inspires you to be present in your child's life and to be an active participant in the moments that mean something to your child. And family, to say that in a simpler way, generally speaking, commitment for a parent is focusing on the child's physical needs, while devotion pursues the child's emotional needs. Being a parent who is committed but not devoted is the thing that creates a scenario where a person who has now grown up and become an adult, they look at their parent and they tell them, you never cared about me. Of course, you can imagine that that could probably take a parent by surprise. Depending on the parent, it could be all kind of emotions ranging from hurt to confusion to anger. Gosh, depending on the parent, they may take a swing at you. I don't know. But after they gather themselves, more than likely, a common response would be, what do you mean I didn't care about you? You got some nerve telling me I didn't care about you? I didn't care about you. B boy, I fed you. Girl, I put clothes on your back. I put a roof over your head. You got the nerve to stand in front of me 
and allow your lips to form the words that I never cared about you? You better get out of my face. What do you mean I didn't care about you? The adult, of course, not wanting to get into a confrontation with their parent, only trying to make a point, says to them, right. You're right. You fed me. You clothed me. You put a roof over my head. You cared for me, not about me. Family, in a nutshell, what that person is trying to tell their parent is, I knew you were committed. I just wish you had been more devoted. So back to our scenario list. Pastor, are you telling me that a parent can be committed to his or her children but not devoted to them? Absolutely. <laughs> Happens all the time. What about this next one? An employee can be committed to his or her job but not devoted to it. How does this look? Well, in this scenario, we can start off by saying a person could be willing to work all of their required hours, but absolutely positively not willing to work one moment more. That person is committed, but not devoted. Or perhaps the scenario is that person is willing to do their task, but they are not willing to study up on or take training classes on approaches and procedures to show them how to do their current task more efficiently and effectively. They're committed, but not devoted. Let's look at it from another view. And this time, let's talk about two elementary school teachers. They both teach fifth grade. We're going to call them teacher A and teacher B. Now this teacher A, teacher A is committed but not devoted. He or she comes to work on time. They teach the children. They follow the district rules. They're committed, but once again, not devoted. And that lack of devotion shows. I mean, it shows in the way they talk. It shows in the way they act. It shows in the way they interface with the children. It, it's not hard to see. It shows. One day, you get the nerve up to ask them, hey, listen, <laughs> just tell me, why are you this way? To which they, they look at you and they say, listen, I didn't want to be a teacher. My degree is in finance or accounting or whatever their degree is in. This here for me is just a job. It's just a way to make ends meet. It's a means to an end for me. 
I come in, I teach, I leave, I get paid. That's the way this system works. This is what it means for me. As for these children, as for these kids, if they do their work, they'll be just fine. Now, if them rascals don't want to study and they do badly on the test, I will gladly put that bad grade in my book. If they don't want to turn in homework, I put down that zero and I keep it moving. If their parents don't care if they fail, why should I care if they fail? And by the way, I always hear this discussion about how children cannot do well in class when they're hungry. Well, let me tell you something. If those rascals can't concentrate or focus while they're in my class because they're hungry, I recommend that before they come to my class, they grab themselves a biscuit or an Eggo waffle or a Snicker bar or a Pop-Tart or something because I am not the food pantry. It is their parents' job to feed them, not mine. Loved ones, that's teacher A. A teacher that's undoubtedly committed, but not very devoted. On the other hand, there's teacher B. The good thing about teacher B, of course, right off the rip, is that teacher B checks all those same commitment boxes that teacher A checks. The big bonus that you get with teacher B, though, is that teacher B is also devoted. Therefore, it is not surprising at all to see on any given day teacher B spending their own money to buy snacks for the class. Why? Because if that teacher believes that a snack will make a difference in a child's performance, his or her heart compels them to pay the cost. It is no surprise on any given day to see teacher B searching through the internet for games and supplies for the class. Why? Because if that teacher believes that those items will make a difference in a child's performance, the heart of teacher B drives them to do that research, drives them to commit that time, and then compels them to pay the cost. It's not surprising on any given day to observe teacher B calling out and reaching out to parents, trying to figure out if there is something going on in that child's life that could somehow be causing a negative effect on their behavior or their performance because it's coming through in class. It's no surprise to see teacher B spending their time doing that. Why? Because the heart of teacher B will not allow teacher B to stand by and idly watch a child's potential suffocate. That's teacher B. And all of those actions, we're going to call them extra actions, from teacher B, those actions revo result 
from their devotion. What about this last one? Pastor, you say a person can be committed to his or her church, but not devoted to it. How does that work? Well, for this example, we're going to turn to the pronoun you. And by you, of course, I mean you and me, but you. We're going to make this personal. I want you to imagine, I want you to assume, for some of you this won't be hard to assume because you do have areas of service, but I want you, I want you to assume you have an area of servanthood. Now, commitment is you faithfully serving in your area. You know, you, you faithfully set, satisfying your servanthood. While devotion is you sincerely offering your assistance to other areas once you're done with your area of service. Commitment, devotion. Now, let's take this thing a little bit deeper, though. I want you to view it from this way. Once again, you have an area of service. You have an area of service, and you serve there faithfully, so nobody can ever say that you're not committed. They cannot call you uncommitted. Don't you dare say I'm uncommitted because you see me here serving in my area. No one can say that. But loved ones, you used to also be devoted. And by devoted, here's what I mean. If there was a conference, you were there and present happily. If there was a special offering request, you were eager to participate. With a cheerful heart, you willingly gave tithes and offerings. As for weather, weather meaning storms and rains, weather wasn't a major factor in whether or not you attended church. Cold weather? Cold weather couldn't keep you from church. You bundled up, you did what you had to do, and you made it to church. Hot weather, it, it, it didn't, didn't matter. Even if, you know, you didn't have the AC working in your car. You rolled the windows down, and you got to church. Rainy weather. You grab your umbrella, you got to church. You used to pray for your church's success. All these things are things that you did when you were devoted. But you're not devoted anymore. For sure, you still come and serve. Yeah, you, you still do your servanthood, but that's where you draw the line. Now, during conferences, you have no desire to be there. Special offerings, if someone makes that request, the answer in your heart and what you do says, not me. As far as giving regular tithes and offerings, nope. And the weather, 
<laughs> Bad weather is an excellent reason now not to attend service. If the temperature is too low, child is cold at that door. If it's too hot, child is hot at that door. If it's raining, girl, it's pouring down out there. And to not make that seem so much, so much like the ladies with the child, the brothers do it too. Man, it's hot. Man, it's cold. I'm just going to stay on the inside. Weather never used to be a factor, but now that you're not devoted, even the slightest inkling that it might rain, is reason enough, a drizzle is reason enough not to go to church. As for praying for the church's success, hey, why do I need to do that? Don't they have people assigned to pray for the church? That's how it sounds now. Keep in mind, you still serve, but you're not devoted anymore. Eventually, and hear me clearly on this, if your devotion stays low, the fibers of your commitment will begin to dissolve. They will disintegrate until you become uncommitted. And ultimately, we see you no more. Family, do you see the fine point I made there? It's a fine point that I've been making throughout this entire session. And just to make it plain, here is that fine point. Devotion is the strength behind one's commitment. Devotion gives a person's commitment a certain resolve. In fact, devotion within a person is so powerful that it can birth commitment in response to the heart's mandate. Devotion can give rise to commitment. But commitment without devotion will soon fade. Now, I want you to say something with me. Just say it inside of your head. You don't have to say it out loud, but let it resonate in your spirit. Echo these words in your heart. And I believe you will come to realize once you hear them, ooh, that makes a lot of sense. You probably have observed this, if not in yourself, in others. Now, repeat this within you while I say it. Devotion can ignite commitment, but commitment without devotion is an oath on life support. Did you catch that? Devotion, when the heart's devoted to something, oh, that devotion can birth commitment. But once devotion starts to fade away, that commitment, 
that thing's on life support. Clearly, commitment and devotion, if we haven't made it clear enough, those things are different. And we comb through all of these practical examples to make that point solid. Furthermore, family, looking back up at your list, just like a married couple can be committed to one another but not devoted to each other, a believer can be committed to God but not devoted to him. Just like a parent can be committed to his or her children but not devoted to them, a believer can be committed to God but not devoted to him. Just like an employee can be committed to his or her job but not devoted to it, a believer can be committed to God but not devoted to him. Just like a person can be committed to his or her church but not devoted to it, a believer can be committed to God but not devoted to him. And that fact is bothersome. It's very concerning. It's bothersome and concerning because I believe out there, there are groves and groves of believers who walk around believing that their trust in God is at the highest level. Let's call it level 10, when in fact their trust in God is something much less than that because they lack devotion. Proverbs chapter 3 instructs us this way. Once again, the Passion Translation, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't, don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. A chief part of those verses that the author is, is trying to convey to us, the author is directing us to have undivided devotion to God. And in my opinion, devotion is the linchpin to real trust in God. That is why I'm spending so much time emphasizing devotion. I'm emphasizing it so much because, listen, in my experience and what I've observed and, and what I've seen, Hey, I've seen devotion and commitment in many people and in many different ways. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in a variety of ways. And here is what I've concluded. I want you to return to that graphic that we had on screen. The one that has the soldier and the one that has the heart. Take a look at this thing. Let me share with you what I've concluded. Underneath commitment, I've concluded that you can separate and split and dice up your commitment several different ways. 
You can commit to your husband. You can commit to your wife. You can commit to your mom. You can commit to your dad. You can commit to your brother or your sister or your auntie or your cousin or your boss or your job or your church, your neighbor. You can commit to many, many things because commitment really boils down to an allocation of your time. Your devotion, on the other hand, your devotion is probably parsed out to much fewer things. In fact, more than likely, your real devotion abides with a single person or thing because as the silhouette denotes, devotion is about the allocation of your heart. Therefore, when it comes to trusting God, the verdict is you cannot trust in God completely and be devoted to someone or something else. Because deep down inside, your real trust adheres to the subject of your devotion. Jesus shares these words in Matthew 6. I'm coming from the Amplified Classic. Verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or here we go, whatever is trusted in. Family, trusting in God with all of your heart is not a part-time proposition. And it shows through both your commitment and devotion. Here's where I want to leave us for this session. I'm going to give you some homework. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to do something. First, Here's my first ask. I want you to honestly examine your commitment and devotion to God and make the necessary adjustments where applicable. And keep in mind, this is just you talking to you. So take a real honest look at your commitment and devotion to God. Don't trick yourself out of the truth. Examine it for, for real. It's just you. It's just you and God. I'm not looking over your shoulder. No one's looking over your shoulder. This is something that you have to do. But that's your first task. Honestly examine your commitment and devotion to God and make the necessary adjustments where applicable. Next, after you do that, I want you to repeat that task with other key areas in your life. The four scenarios that we went through give you four right there. I'm sure there are more. But I want you to, after you're done examining your commitment and devotion to God, I want you to next step into, hey, what about my commitment and devotion in other areas such as my marriage, 
my parenting, my employment, my work or my personal business? And of course, where is my commitment and devotion at as it relates to my church? Do those tasks for me. And let me tell you, I look forward to the positive outcomes of all of us doing that activity. Family, that's all I have for you today. And as always, you know I love you. I love you so, so much. Commitment and devotion. We're spending time on it because once you get it, I believe you understand it to the point to where it makes a mark on you such that the decisions you make going forward align you with where God wants you to be, aligns us with where God wants us to be. Why don't you say a word of prayer with me? God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that we've come today and we've heard a word from you. And we're leaving with the task to check ourselves on our commitment and our devotion. Of course, our primary check is our commitment and devotion to you, but also to expand that task across other areas of our lives. We always want to be doing those things, God, that get us closer to you. And things that get us closer to you, guess what? It makes us better for all the people in our lives. Yeah. Commitment, that's that thing that we hear often. But the linchpin is devotion. Give us the heart to want to be closer to you. Give us the heart for our devotion towards you to be so strong that that devotion continues to spark commitment. I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice receives the fact that God, you are so, so worthy to be loved. Everything that you've done for us shows how much you love us. In return, with all of our heart, we want to love you back. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.